0: Well, hello everyone. Today I'm your substitute teacher. So uh, a lot of you have said, you know, we don't read the Bible, they just let us go after the singing. No, no, I've already talked to your teacher. Um, but it is, it, is a, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Um, we're going to continue in the series, uh, and now it's going to seem like we're not, right? So we're going to continue in the series of Elijah. Now, just like previously in the series of Elijah, We found out that there was something Elijah was going to do. Remember, he had to uh, anoint some kings. One of the kings was the king of Syria, okay? Uh, Hazael, he's supposed to anoint this king. Well, we're going to find out in this particular episode that he, which really did happen, these aren't just stories. This stuff really happened. They're written like historical accounts. This is not mythical because no one would write it the way he's about to read it, okay? Okay. It's really happened. But long story short, uh, that's what was supposed to happen. In this particular section, you're going to be puzzled because it's a series on Elijah. So it's what should have happened, uh, but there's no Elijah in this 20th chapter. He's not mentioned in this chapter. So in the past, he's supposed to do something with a Syrian king. You're not going to hear about that Syrian king, you're going to hear about another Syrian king, and you're going to hear about somebody who doesn't quite do what he was supposed to do with that Syrian king in order for Elijah to have anointed the correct one. But we're going to take a look at that passage. Now, uh, to read it, we have, uh, we've spared no expense. Uh, we've flown him in from, I think, Airport Road, and uh, he's going to present to us uh, the uh, 20th chapter of Kings, 1 Kings.
1: This one is long, and you have permission not to feel like you have to nail all the details. You won't, that's why we have him preaching this moment. Um, so if you wanna stand, you can, and if you wanna, if you feel like you've, if you ran a 10K yesterday, or you feel like you ran a 10K yesterday, we would entirely understand if you kept to your seat. But if I might add a little color. At the beginning, at, towards the end of the first Star Wars prequel, there's a fight between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon, and a song that John Williams wrote called The Duel of the Fates. And there's an ostinato at the bottom of that whole song doing this. Push play. Bring it down to 15 dB. And hear First Kings chapter 20. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army together. Thirty-two kings were with him and horses and chariots. And he went up and closed in on Samaria and fought against it. And he sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben Hadad, Your silver and your gold are mine. Your best wives and children also are mine. And the king of Israel answered, As you say, my lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. The messengers came again and said, Thus says Ben Hadad, I sent to you, saying, Deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. Nevertheless, I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants and lay hands on whatever pleases you and take it away. And then the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, Mark now, see how this man is seeking trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, and for my silver and my gold, and I did not refuse him. And all the elders and all the people said to him, Do not listen or consent. So he said to the messengers of ben Tell my lord, the king, all that you first demanded of your servant I will do, but this I cannot do. And the messengers departed and brought him word again. ben sent to him and said, The gods do so to me and more also, if the dust of Samaria shall suffice for handfuls for all the people who follow me. And the king of Israel answered, Tell him, Let not him who straps on his armor boast himself as he who takes it off. When Ben-Hadad heard this message, as he was drinking with the kings in the booths, he said to his men, take your positions. And they took their positions against the city. And Behold, a prophet came near to Ahab, king of Israel, and said, Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will give it into your hand this day, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And Ahab said, by whom? And the prophet said, thus says the Lord, by the servants of the governors of the districts. And then he said, who shall begin the battle? And the prophet answered, you. And then he mustered the servants of the governors of the districts, and they were 232. And after them he mustered all the people of Israel, 7,000. And they went out at noon. While Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the booths, he and the 32 kings who helped him, the servants of the governors of the districts went out first, and Ben-Hadad sent out scouts, and they reported to him, Men are coming out from Samaria. He said, If they have come out for peace, take them alive, or if they have come out for war, take them alive. So these went out of the city, the servants of the governors of the districts and the army that followed them, and each struck down his man, the Syrians fled. Israel pursued them. But Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, escaped on a horse with horsemen. And the king of Israel went out and struck the horses and chariots and struck the Syrians with a great blow. And then the prophet came near to the king of Israel and said to him, Come, strengthen yourself. Consider well what you have to do, for in the spring the king of Syria will come up against you. And the servants of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are the gods of the hills, and so they were stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this, remove the kings, each from his post, and put commanders in their places, muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot, and then we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And he listened to them, their voice, and did so. Everybody breathe, here we go, second half. In the spring, Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and were against them. The people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats. But the Syrians filled the country. And a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is a God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give you all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord." And they encamped opposite one another seven days. And then on the seventh day, the battle was joined. And the people of Israel struck down of the Syrians 100,000 foot soldiers in one day. And the rest fled into the city of Aphek. And the wall fell upon 27,000 men who were left. Ben-Hadad also fled and entered an inner chamber in the city. And his servant said to him, Behold now. We have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us put sackcloth around our waists and ropes on our heads and, and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they tied sackcloth around their waists and put ropes on their heads and went to the king of Israel and said, Your servant ben says, Please, let me live. And he said, Does he still live? He is my brother. Now the men were watching for a sign, and they quickly took it up from him and said, Yes, your brother Ben-Hadad. And then he said, Go and bring him. And then Ben-Hadad came up to him, and he caused him to come up to his chariot. And Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities that my father took from your father I will restore. And you may establish bazaars for yourself in Damascus as my father did in Samaria. And Ahab said, I will let you go on these terms. So he made a covenant with him and let him go. And the certain men of the sons of the prophet said to his fellow with the command of the Lord, Strike me, please. But the man refused to strike him. And then he said to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as you have gone down from me, a lion shall strike you down. And as soon as he had departed from him, a lion met him and struck him down. And then he found another man and said, Strike me, please. And the man struck him, struck him and wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, disguising himself with a bandage. Over his eyes. And as the king passed, he cried to the king and said, Your servant went out into the midst of the battle, and behold, a soldier turned and brought a man to me and said, Guard this man. If by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. And as your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. The king of Israel said to him, So shall your judgment be. You yourself have decided it. And then he hurried to take the bandage away from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And he said to him, thus says the Lord, because you have let go out of your hand the man whom I have devoted to destruction, therefore your life shall be for his life and your people for his people. And the king of Israel, he went to his house, vexed and sullen, and came to Samaria. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may finally sit.
0: As Steve Brown, a pastor, said before we uh, talk about God, let's talk to him. Let's pray. Well, Father, wow, we can call you Father. That's really great. That is such good news that through the Holy Spirit and through your saving and adoption, we can call you Father. You're going to bring us home, and you've made a home inside of us. And while we're in there in this world that's like, ugh, I know you didn't mean it to get that way, sorry about that. Forgive me for my portion of making the world that way. But together, let's remind each other not how clever the slides are or the speaker, but that still small voice. Get things out of the way through this message and through the songs and and through our table together in just a little while to get the noise out of the way to hear your still small voice that reassures us that we're okay. And you're on the way. Then I pray that in your name, Amen. amen. All right, okie dokie. Right. So they always said, "So what's the hardest part of doing this up here?" It's making sure you know when the clips come. Okay. So here's that right there. But let's get rolling. Um, all right. So uh, yeah. Oh, how, we, hey, groovy title. We gotta get the groovy title again. Could you get my groovy title first slide on that one? Uh, God loves the wicked to death. I'm not just trying to be groovy. That actually is true. God loves the wicked to death sometimes. But he loves them. He loves them. He loved me out. But let's take a look at what uh, the passage has to say to us about that from 1 Kings 20. All right, here we go. We've got to take out who is who here. So we've got to take out who are the, who, who's in this particular story. And, of course, you're going to have two kings that we're talking about. Now, it's not the king that I talked about earlier that Elijah was supposed to anoint, because here are the kings. We've got King Ahab of Israel and King of Syria, Ben-Hadad. All right, now, so let's check out about Ahab. Okay, so here's the story right here. Yes, don't you love the little maps? Like I always tell you all, I don't have flannelgrams, but I've got maps, so here we go together. Um, because it's kind of important. Now, when you see these maps in your Bible, you're like, oh, the maps, all these colors, all these cities. You know, wait, wait, there's, just a, there's, there's truth in these maps. And, and just taking a little sidebar right here, the truth of the maps is these happened in actual locations in cities that you can visit. You try doing that with other religions. But let's just go over here for just a second. Here we go. But check out the map. Now, what I want you to see is the kingdom of Israel, if you can see anything, see one thing. Hey, Slim, I think we're surrounded. Yeah, they are surrounded. Now, you may say, oh, yeah, it's like being surrounded by, like, Montana and Idaho and all that. No, 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 no. These colors that you see represented especially the one, I mean, look at this, Moab, Edom, Philistines. Oh my goodness, they're like totally surrounded. Look, these folks should never have made it. I'm telling you, Christ coming through this line, see, that's the deal. Yes, uh, the, the, the Israelites are, are wonderful people and they're chosen, I get that, but really it's the story of Christ from the beginning of creation pulled through these people up to the cross, okay? It's got to get through here. If, if they fail, Christ's line doesn't come through there, Right? So this is really important to know that they're surrounded. Now, the kind of cool-looking green up there in the upper right, the kingdom of Aram, Damascus, is Syria. Now, this is not uh, Ah-Syria. This is Syria. Now, if you notice uh, Ah-Syria is up on top of that, because what I didn't want to show you, because the slide doesn't fit it, is a giant empire behind them. And the only thing that's between them (laughs) and uh, Ah-Syria is Syria. It's different. Assyria, I could not even show you slides of what the Assyrians do. It was awful. You know, when it says, you know, the Assyrians came in, and they carted off the people, they took them into bondage, and took them... Okay, they're giving you a really laundered version of what the Assyrians do, okay? So in between, we've got Syria, and a lot of kingdoms that really don't like him. So, yes, back here, Elijah was being told, we're, we've got this plan here, we're going to be anointing, he was told by God through the prophet Elijah, we're going to be anointing the Syrian king because it's going to be important for your people Israel because there's some history coming in just a few years and hopefully some protection but protection the way that God wants it done. We have plans but Lord God help us choose the plans that God wants to do in our lives because when we take hold of the wheel well you're going to see. Okay where's the next one? Oh yes, King. yeah, so King Ahab. Listen, hey, it was a tough family line. You need to read Kings. I mean, if you want action, listen. We just heard that story. That's just one chapter. There is action. It's a little bit rough sometimes, but there's action. And within this particular thing, his dad, this is uh, Ahab's dad, was Omri. <laughs> Omri was was just wicked, wicked. I mean, tearing down. Tearing down uh, 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 anything that had to do with the Lord and trying to mix it into Baal worship and put it together. Could you imagine this auditorium? Like, we just say, you know, hey, see these pictures right here? I know we got this one true God thing going on with the gospel, but we're going to put up some Satan shots. You know, a couple pentagrams, you know, maybe an altar with a big old. Hey, you'd be like, ah! right? That's what was going on. It was awful. And that's his dad. Now, moving down there, okay, so uh, uh, so she marries, marries Jezebel, okay? Jezebel. Well, Jezebel's dad was Ethbaal. Everybody's like Baal because that's a god that they worship. Now, listen, this is not like a couple different denominations in Christianity. Oh, it's not pretty. The one true God is so merciful. Just the way he does his practices. I mean, I know circumcision, oive and you've got some, you know, there's going to be some sheep that are going to die. Okay, listen, we're, we're moving towards Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. But the worship is so kind. The worship and, and the way they treat women and men, I know you've heard stories. I'm just saying, within this people, there was a uh, a crafting of the spirit that Jesus is going to bring all the nations around him, especially the Baal worshippers and others. Whoa! Um, yes, her name Jezebel. Usually, it just means come forth, because they believed that Baal would spend he would winter in the underworld, and that her name was come forth, come from the underworld and help us Baal. <laughs> okay, that's a cute name for a girl. All right, so uh, right. Yeah, uh, Samaria. Samaria is now the capital of Israel, northern kingdom, southern kingdom, right? And uh, they make Samaria the capital, and of course what, uh, what Ahab tried to do was make it Isra He was really trying to mix the two together. Hey, this is no big deal. It's a very big deal. Mixing the truth of God with something that's not, it's a very big deal. <laughs> not just then. So God help us, Right? All right, God, here we go. Next one, here we go. So uh, here's uh, King Ahab versus the Lord. Okay, Ahab, hey, can we put these two things together? No. How about just one Asherah pole? No. Rebuild Jericho? He was told not to do it, and he did it. Jericho was supposed to be this life lesson for everybody, and he, Ahab didn't do that. He rebuilt. Mm, seemed like a great building project. I mean, I'm all about a roof. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? He was not supposed to do it. Why? because God said so well why because okay right all right so um so again he's so the Lord's been trying to tell Ahab look he's trying to love the wicked in the story he's trying to love him out love him back right he's the king of Israel everybody does what he says if he says Baal everybody goes oh that's bad that's how much power kings had but if he says I love you Lord the audience goes I love you too right? Well, he wants to put it all together. Uh, it says, God's saying, hey, let me protect your heart, your family, and my people. And Ahab's actions say no. Okay? Let's give him another one. Well, we got to talk about Ben Hadad. Okay? All right. So, yeah. So, uh, so, this is a common Syrian king name. So, it's not just his name. There's, you're going to see in the Bible, as you go through it, Ben Hadad the first, the second, the third. There's Ben Hadad's everywhere. Yeah, Ben-Hadad is that, is that because it means son of Hadad, or Adad, which is that god. They're the god Adad, all right? Now, here's the deal, right? Hadad is the god of thunder and storms. Okay, rewind the tape. Do you remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? Do you remember? There was no rain, remember? God allowed him to hold back the rain. They had this big drought. He puts the, the, um, he puts the sacrifice on the altar, And remember what they did? It was kind of crazy. We're in the middle of a drought, and he had jars of water, large jars put on the sacrifice. So we are wasting all this water, but he commanded it to be done, and the Lord licked up, fire from on high, just takes out the sacrifice, and then he shows who the God of thunder is. It's not Thor. Great hair, but not him the god of thunder the god of everything it's not he's not a local god he's god he spoke into existence the entire universe out of nothing there it is right and so in this particular thing he is that god he is that god and elijah said unto ahab get thee up eat and drink for there is a the sound of abundance of rain he was trying to say i'm the god of everything including this so he's the god of baal's not important god of thunder not important, Hadad. I am it. It's the one true God. Everything else is just made up. Okay, next one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, see, <laughs> he's trying to, again, this is a story about Ahab. He's trying to put these things together. He's trying to put it together, all those elements. Now, you could say that it's a little bit, of, it's a little bit funny, but just, hey, y'all, putting things together that are not him. People, activities, putting it together, trying to make it happen, doesn't work. And that's why these lessons are there on a very big level that are in the Bible. Yes, they're levels of their history, the things that actually happen, but they speak to your heart. Really, read it. Don't believe some husky guy up here. Read it, because it will be revealed to you, not only in a big historical sense, but into yourself. But anyway, he just basically puts together a bad worship buffet, and of course, as Roman says, they invent new ways of sinning. And that's a, he's, he's really putting things together that shouldn't be put together. Okay. All right. Well, so in this particular section, we have, um, yeah, so Ahab, what he's going to do here in this section is he is going to make a deal. He was not told to make a deal. That's not what God told him to do. He did not say, make some little trade route deal. That is not it, because if he did... This guy would be an expert at it, but he needed to be an expert at what God told him. He's the king of Israel. He is the king of Israel, the one true God. Well, anyway, here we are, and um, he basically they're they trying to cut a deal. So uh, Ben Hadad sees the weakness of this particular guy, and he says, I'll tell you what, as he starts to cut deals, he basically is going to tell him, I want everything, including your best wives and children. See, that's how it rolls, man. See, that's how it rolls. There's no command. Look, there's no command in the Old Testament that says, give me your wives and children. God's don't, God doesn't need that. God is in, 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 he's, in a, he's in a unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He doesn't need to consume us. They're consumed with love for each other. He doesn't need the power to consume us. But that's not how the other gods work. So, Ben Hadad's just doing the deal. And here's, oh my Oh my, here's what Ben Hadad says. I'm, um, excuse me, this is what Ahab says to this king of Syria. My Lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. Now, wouldn't that have been a neat prayer? Wouldn't that have been a beautiful prayer to God? <sniffs> uh, okay, it's not where we go. So, what would Jesus do if he heard this? You think? Nope. He didn't do that to him. He chased him. He chased him, just like we heard earlier, when Elijah ran in front of Ahab to try to say, "Follow the Lord." He's still chasing the sky. He's still chasing him, and we'll see how. Ah, uh, yeah, no lightning. Nope. Get a foot. Fl- uh, yeah. Hey, seriously, this just happened a little while ago. He should have known God was going to deliver and do what was He said. He. Check out the 450 prophets of Baal, that whole scene. He saw that. Now, he, can I tell you the cool part here? So did Elijah. And where did we last leave Elijah? He booked. Remember, Jezebel said, I don't know if she has a German accent, but the, part, the, part, the person, sorry, that was German. Forgive German, sorry, sorry, forgive me. Um, I took five years of German in high school. I don't even know. I was like German one five times. But the point is, uh, within this thing, he hears about this, this threat to him, and he, he's out. He just seen the prophets of Baal. He just seen the mighty hand of God. He's gone. Dude, if you could see the trail he took off, he, he hightailed it about as far as um, Jonah did. <laughs> it's like from like where the northern kingdom is all the way to the bottom of the Sinai, you know? Uh, but anyway, um, anyway uh, did he give him a sudden heart attack? Nope. Here's what happened. The Lord brought his message through the elders. I know, I'm not trying to, by the way, I am an elder here. I just thought you'd, you'd be like, is this a game show host? <laughs> um, no, I'm an elder here, and part of the, part of the elders, you know, our, our mandate uh, is to serve. And so we do lots of stuff here. Hopefully we serve you well. If we don't, let, let us know. Uh, but part of the thing is to teach, right? So I actually do teach uh, the third and fourth graders, but this is sort of like a bigger class today. So within this, they brought the elders. Now, the elders, the elders could also be uh, great men of the town or kings, what have you, but he gathers the elders, all right? So he gets a council of elders together. Oh, you didn't see my groovy reference to the Lord of the Rings? Okay, geeked out there. Moving on. All right, um, yeah, thanks. And uh, basically, he gathers them together, right? And he kind of he makes up those things you heard in the passage. It's not like he's making it up, but he's like this troublemaker, He's talking about ben and Dad, the troublemaker. He's partying with the troublemaker. He's trying to separate out a little bit. So again, he basically tells him about this whole situation. And now he does, he does turn state's evidence on himself. He does say, I did not refuse him. You gave all the wives and the children away, and you didn't refuse him thank God that his message through the elders was this. Do not listen or consent to the king. He, they have to tell the king because constantly what you'll see in the Bible is power needs correction. Power needs correction. That's just how it works, especially in the book of Kings. And later on, I, we're going to do a little yay for the prophets in just a little minute because they're so important. I used to really kind of like not really think that way until you actually see what their role was, because it's super, super important. But anyway, uh, they told him, don't listen or consent. Uh, message from God through the elders. Okay, let's go to the next one. Now, I do need to give you that, there was a little thing in there that you heard uh, as he was reading it. I just had to do, it says, and the king of Israel answered. So he sends a message back to ben because he's all boosted up by his buddies. Uh, we're not going to do this. We're not going to take the same way, right guys? Right? Yeah. Okay. So he sends a pretty tough message to ben Haddad, But he gets a little bit, uh, he gets a little uh, 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 kind of like trash talk in here. And the king of Israel answered, tell him, tell him let, him, let not him who straps on his armor boast himself as he who takes it off." Basically, don't count your chickens before your eggs are hatched. <laughs> you think he can take us? Don't be, don't be ending the war. Don't be spiking the ball on the five-yard line because you have not beat us yet. Well, that was pretty tough, right? Not bad stuff. So <laughs> the reaction from the king of Syria was all right. Lock and load. We're ready to go. You want to play like that? We're bringing it. So, let's keep on rolling. All right. Yeah, hey, by the way, there's a whole cartoon I found. Out there's a whole cartoon series about this. Uh, go this way. Okay, for profit. Here we go. So, the prophets get involved. This is really important that the prophets get involved. They are like vital to the message of Christ pulling it through the Old Testament because some of these kings go sideways like we're about to see right here, okay? And of course, he brings, the, he brings the thus says the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, okay? Not a Lord. He brings, remember the burning bush that Moses saw that didn't get consumed? That Lord, the I am. These guys are speaking for the I am. Whew, what a relief. Okay, right. Um, and basically, he doesn't say the Lord, the Lord God is going to move you out of the way, bring in a new CEO, and we're going to take care of this battle. The Lord is going to chase this wicked king. And look at what he's going to do I will give it into your hands. He's going to give them, the Syrians into his hands. Not others' hands, into Ahab's hands. I'm going to give you this battle. You disobedient, wicked king, which is, doesn't say there, right? That's gracious. Y'all, that's gracious. And so, here we go. Um, and so that said, you shall know. You shall know that I am the Lord. You shall know. Not like... You shall know, like a fact in a book. You shall know it like, and you, I mean deeply know it. You'll know it, that I am the Lord. Okay? Here we go. Okay, got a little, little shout out to the prophets, right? You know there's a lot of books of Bible that have prophet names in it, and then there's other prophets that show up that didn't get a book, but they're there and important. In fact, the prophets in this particular section of uh, 1 Kings 20, you don't even know their name, but they're important, right? Why? Thank God, Yes. All right, when the people ain't hearing it and the powerful fail, they bring God's word that sets things right. They do read them. Some of the messages are difficult. Some of the messages are are whatever, not difficult, whatever. But the prophets are there as the powerful instrument of God when the powerful really start doing things that are not so good, right? And that's why they get so much print because they're important. And, 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 and. That's why Jesus encompasses that role of prophet and king. He, he, he encompasses it because it's so vital. It was vital to the message of the cross as well. So thank you, prophets. All right. But wait, there's more. Well, <laughs> you know, here's the kind of a puzzling portion. Again, this is the part where you go, if you were making this up, you know, people say, well, the Bible was made up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm telling you, I don't know when they wrote this particular section of 1 Kings. But they're really writing it like this is just what happened. I'm just going to give you the details, whether they look funny or not. And so basically Ben-Hadad is so confident, uh, he's been drinking. It's noon, okay? It's noon. So he's, 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 he's getting lit at noon, okay? And uh, he's drinking himself drunk, right? So um, so he sends, out, he sends out some scouts. And you know what a scout is? Not like a boy scout, but if those of you were in the military, <laughs> that's a rough role. You're the sky. You go out, there's no air cover. You're going to quietly check out to see, like, you're going to look at the enemy, see what's going on, and then you're going to, like, take notes or remember it and get back to headquarters and let them know how things are going. How bad is it? Look out there. How powerful is the enemy? What do we have to do? So he sends them out there, uh, and he said, so, and they come back, and they said, the men, are, uh, the men are coming out of Samaria, meaning they're coming out of the capital to meet us. They're coming. Like, the, the Israelites are coming, armed and ready, right? Here's what his response was. Now, you laughed. I heard you. I heard you when he read it. You laughed. Some of you did. When it said, this is Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. He, he said, if you've come out for peace, take them alive. Or if they have come out for war, if they come. One of the commentators felt like in the context of this particular section, it was really just written, like he said it, drunk, you know? I think if they come out for peace, take them alive. <laughs> if they come out for war? Let's take them alive. <laughs> I mean, because it was a little—it is puzzling where this went, you know. Uh, okay, all right. So, lo- listen—the Bible is just, just—I'm telling you, it tells, it tells it like it is. Um, okay, all right. So, fast forward a bit. So, the people. So, um, there's a battle that occurs. There's a there's a victory, but it's kind of a small victory. Meaning it's, there's there's going to be actually three battles with Hadad in the in the This is two. They'll see another one in the chapters to come. Yikes! But um, they, they're in camp. So what they what this particular section is trying to show is that the Syrians are fairly armed. It doesn't mean that the Israelites are completely you know just with sticks. But what they're trying to show is this time when Bedad comes for the second battle, he's not just coming to. He, he lost the first one. He waits a year and he's coming with everyone and he it is so rich with syrian army that if you looked at the plane it would look like like all the syrians and then these two little flocks of israelites in fact some of them refer to him as, as not just flocks of goats but kids like
2: ee,
0: like they're just surrounded i mean there's like it's not going to happen this this is no way they're going to win this um okay now enter again what is referred to, and the man of God came near and said to the king of Israel. And a man of God came, a prophet came, because it doesn't look good. A prophet came. Uh, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is a God of the hills, but not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Second time we hear it, so you shall know in this battle, in the second battle, you'll also know it as well. See, again, like I've said before, what, the, what man does is he takes gods, right? And he compartmentalizes them, puts them in little boxes to serve him. And so, and that's not our God. He is not a tame God. You don't put him in a box. He made the box, Okay. Um, But this being said, they believed that he was a god of the hills because in this particular region of Samaria, like the capital of Samaria was built on a really high place, right? And all this ringed around the city. They always wanted to build in high places. And if you look in 1 Kings uh, and the first and second kings, they always, uh, the Israelites would build their temples and their places on high places. You'll see the high places. They would build the high places. Not just the pagan temples that they would try to copy, but also gods as well. So Samaria, the, the capital, was built on a high place. Um, oh, could you go back to my high place thing? I'm almost done, and I promise. Uh, yeah, and what they, so the, the Syrians were thought, well, he's just the god of the hills, so what we're going to do is we're going to fight him in the valley, because evidently their god will be too chicken to come down into the valley, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, that's what they believed, that they could beat him in a different place, and they wouldn't have to fight their god, right? So they're going to really do this in a big old pa- valley. Thank you so much, by the way, for rolling back with you for just a second. Okay, well, the battle, this second battle goes down, and you heard some of the stats, statistics, 100,000 in a day. Well, do we know the actual count to say that 100,000 could mean in Hebrew, look, what are they trying to say? I met him in a body count. They wiped him out. And those who are running, they run to Avec, which was a little city. Uh, if I had the map, so if uh, if Syria on top of them look like that, it's a, it's that bordering city. They ran they ran home. They figured they'd be protected across the border. They go home into this walled city. All the walls collapse on top of people. This is a pretty big victory. I know there's death involved. This is a rough time. Okay, but this is a big victory. But then here comes the big compromise. Okay, now roll back in time over here. Remember. my brothers and sisters, was Ben-Hadad to be anointed? Chapters before, by Elijah? No. So what was Ben-Hadad's likely ending? If you're not going to be anointed, 127,000 are dead. Does the king deserve to die or should we give him a break? Look, I'm not trying to put this in human street terms. There's a wisdom of God here that does exceed. I know we're talking about death and people. I get it. But in the love of God, this is what's going to happen. I'm just giving it to you like it is. But here we are. Um, uh, so here he goes. He's going to make a covenant with Hadad. Who are we to make a covenant with? Frank, we'll stop. Who made a covenant with us? If you're going to do any covenants, why not go to the Lord and say, I have, this, I have the king. What do you want me to do with him? What do you want me to do with him? I'll do whatever you ask. Or get counsel from the elders. What do we do with this king? He doesn't see it, he sees it as a business opportunity. Oh! So here he goes. Yeah, there they are. Here's Bathsheba. Your life. So he's going to get the third word, third word from a prophet that I'm gonna do the most loving thing that I could do for you right now. The New Testament speaks to this as well. I'm gonna give you over. If this is what you want, I will give you over to it. Just understand you're gonna die. It's gonna kill you. By my hand, other people's hands, I, it, it, I'm gonna give you over to your sin. That's a hard word, right? It's a hard word but that's really what's being said here. Your life shall be for his life he wasn't supposed to spare him. At least he was to bring him to God. What do I do? Um, and so, again, at this third word, heavy-duty message from the prophet, what would you... I, I, let me not say that. What, what I, I pray that I would be at least driven to my knees when I get a heavy message. Have you ever gotten a heavy message? I'm not talking about some audible thing, but a message from the Lord that you know is from God. It's heavy. It's big. It should bring you to his, to him, bring to your, to his throne. Go to his throne. Go there. He doesn't go there. Instead, he's vexed and sullen. Vexed. Oh, that word. It's nice, but vexed is deeper than annoyed. He is troubled and does not like it. God told me this, and I don't like it. I like my plan. Now you're going to threaten me. It's that sullen, vexed, grumbling. Ugh. Right. And that's where he is right now. And of course, we'll see in subsequent chapters where this goes. So what's the story about? Now, here's what happens when we get into a, a wonderful time together, right? I, it happens to me too, okay? This message is not, don't be an Ahab. Don't marry, don't marry a Jezebel. You Jezebel. <laughs> when they say that, they have no idea what they're saying. Jezebel was powerful and wow. They think it's just some person who's difficult. Don't ever hang out with idolaters and don't be merciful to enemies. That is not, okay, I hope you have your pens out or your iPads. That is not what this message was about. It's not. Remember what the title was? God loves the wicked to death. We're just going to find out whose death we're talking about. Okay. All right. Now, I got to give you some bad news. (laughs) That's what I do, right? Let's give you the bad news. So, Jesus is confronted with some things in his uh, lifetime, and he basically turns to some people who are pretty religious. They were not so much the types of Ahab that has this technicolor obvious to see sin. They actually had 613 rules they were keeping and believed that that was enough. I don't need you, Jesus. And so, he basically tries to. Uh, he's really. This is a very loving thing to say, but it's a difficult word. He's a prophet. It's a message. Message to them was. You and your fathers are of the devil. I'm not looking at you when I say this, like personally. I'm just going to talk, let's talk about just me. Before God was my father in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Um, do you know who my father was? So before Christ adopted me into His family, who's my father, spiritually speaking? Right. Because there's only there's only two choices. Because he doesn't have he this is not like a shared child agreement, where we get we get each other on weekends. Okay, all right. He he. You either are or look. I, because and the reason for that is he can't mix the two. We saw what happened in the Old Testament. He ain't doing it now. I had a daddy before, the Lord was my father. Our Father who art in heaven. Before that we had I had a different father. You work that out out there, right? Holy Spirit will help. Okay. All right. So in Colossians, yeah. Look, we weren't, we weren't just like opposed to the concepts of Christianity. We were enemies. Dude, my brothers and sisters, okay? You're not Sleeping Beauty, you know? Gets kissed. She's so pretty. You know, she's been dead. She's been, you know, her hair's done. She's like, no, no. You're the, we are the evil stepmother. That's who he saved. That's who he kissed. That's who we are. And it says it, look, not my words, we were enemies, we were alienated. And secondly, you were dead in your trespasses, following the prince, and the power. See, I'm trying to let you know, hey, this Ahab, well, I get it, I get where he's at. I'm not trying to just say, well, I'd never be an Ahab. Well, hold on, maybe we have been, okay? Uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You're following this prince of the power of the air. By nature, you were children of wrath. Like, you just born, you, just, but you were blooshed out into the world. You just were, you were dead. It's like, you know, I made a decision. I know you have a decision. I know you do. Hold up, hold up. Before you push the heresy button, hold up. Okay? His decision was so powerful. It made me drop mine for him. I get you. I, I get, I get, I'm not trying to get too theological, but I am trying to say, say, tell you this. We were dead, man. Why do those sinful people, do you ever meet people who are not believers? And you're like, I don't understand that sin. I don't get it. Why do they keep on sinning, 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 sinning? Because they're dead. They're blind. They're sinning because that's their nature. But we still do sinful acts. I know. But it's different. We have terrible consequences that happen in our families, in our, in our lives, and our coworkers when we do sin. But the Holy Spirit is going to move into us. We're His child. And say, No, child, let's do it differently. No, child, let's do it differently. Over and over again as we move through the sanctification process. But for those who are not saved and sanctified, why are they sinning? Why are all these people sinning, sinners, sinners, sinners? I know. Because it's, remember how it was? Y'all? It's their very nature. It's just what they do. Dogs bark because they're dogs. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so after this one, right? Okay. <laughs> I don't get that right, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Other bad news. Yeah. Sorry about all this bad news. Um, yes. So, you know, again, you, the point was not don't be an Ahab, right? Uh, because, you know, it just, it, it's, it's in our lives. We get that, right? And for people that believe they're not that bad, yeah, I'm not that bad. I follow a really good moral code. I have this religion, or I have this upbringing, and so I weave it together, and I'm good to my, you know, I pay my taxes, I recycle. Um, Jesus says something that is startling in the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't seem that way. It seems so like, la, la, la. He, okay, the scribes and the Pharisees, none none of you, maybe one. (laughs) I don't think so. They followed every law they could, and they made up new ones. You talk about religious and spiritual? They're not meanies. Oh, they're always these meanies, meanies, meanies. Well, yeah, they're just, I understand that, but they were following the law of God. They believed it deep in their heart, and they would do all these rules and all these rules, and he says this, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, if they can't do it, And I can't do it. If they're not good enough, well, I'm not good enough, well, who is? Yay for that realization. Angels sing. Angels sing for that realization. That's a really powerful place to be. So before we go there, uh, I wanted to show a clip uh, from Pastor Tim Keller that speaks to this pretty, pretty nicely.
2: Hell is just a freely chosen identity based on something else besides God going on forever. Hell is just your freely chosen identity based on something else besides God going on forever. Disintegrating, disintegrating, disintegrating. Refusing to admit what it is. And that's the reason why the idea that you might have in your mind, that people give you in your mind, that God is a God who sort of throws people into hell you know, he sort of throws them into this, you know, into this pit, and they're climbing up the side saying, please no, and let me out. And God's saying, no, it's too late now. It's, uh, it's hell for you. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. He says, in the long run, the answer to those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out past sins and at all costs, give them a fresh start? He did on Calvary. To forgive them, but they don't ask for forgiveness to leave them alone, that's what hell is. There are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self choice, it wouldn't be hell.
0: I know, I know, I know that's bad news. But that's just, that's just it. Even if you're saved, believe just, just consider that. Consider that as you consider your salvation all the more. And if you're not, just know um, there is an answer. So let me give you the authentic news, and then we'll get to the good news, right? In Luke 5, he's trying to explain to these same group of people that believe that they're totally okay. I'm not doing terrible things. I'm okay. And he's trying to let them know, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I was sick. I was sick and dying and didn't even know it. How about you? I mean, I was. I mean, I know I still do stuff that's just bad, but it's different when I'm an adopted son. The Holy Spirit says, Brad, stop. Back in the day, I didn't have that voice. And it's just been wonderful. But I need that. I need that then and I need it now. And then, of course, you know, Paul, I love, Paul just gets very plain. He's not kidding here. He's not kidding. He's not trying to be like, you know, self-effacing or put down myself to make a bigger point. He just basically lays it out. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, drenched me. (laughs) Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ came into the world to save sinners. (laughs) <laughs> of who I am the worst. Stop looking for Ahab's. Stop. Stop looking for Ahab's. They'll come. They'll be there. Don't worry about it. You don't have to look for them, Right? How about this? I'm the worst. And now I'm the most loved in Christ. Yay! All right. Roll it. Oh, yes. Oh, of course. Yes, right. This is the note. All right. So we're going to show, uh, uh, you know, God... Uh, that God, uh, uh, God loves the wicked to death with this particular scene that uh, should be somewhat familiar.
2: <laughs> you had paid the price for your lack of
1: vision. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you know why I didn't show the end? What are you rooting for? Huh? What are you rooting for? What is it within you that we all rooted? We did not root for Darth Vader to say, okay, Emperor, let me handle this with you. No, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. Just like in the Ahabs in your life or you yourself, you're rooting. Just turn, turn around, turn Go to the Father and pray for that turn. You yelled it out because God put that in your heart. He puts that common grace in the heart of all men. Nobody was cheering for Darth Vader to win that thing. Nobody. All he had to do was just get rid of this. And what did Luke say when he was on the ground that made your heart just go, whether you're a believer or not? Your heart cried out, right? He said, Father. He called out to the Father because he couldn't do anything. Beautiful. And, And we all wanted to see Darth Vader turn that right and god put that in your heart either now as a believer or now as you're wondering right or you have ahabs in your life Pray. bring the they don't know they don't know how to go to god i know they're yelling at god and give me 15 reasons why they don't know go in the closet because if you're getting like assailed and yelled at just go to the closet and pray for him because that's what we're all rooting for right so my god we need some good news out for the redemption of Ahab's in your life, Ahab's in your mirror. Okay, here's the good news. 1 Peter 2, right? But you're a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation. What else can I say? God's special possession. You're now the people of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's give him another one. I think there's another one. So what is this all about, with this Ahab stuff and getting y'all through that whole chapter? It's, it's really not about don't be an Ahab. It's listen to a different voice. Listen to what we found out earlier that Elijah needed after he, he kind of got scared and he went and the Lord just showed him mighty power, but he said, I'm not going to overcome you with power. I'm not going to overpower you. I'm not going to destroy you. I know mean, you feel like I should. People think God does, but what does he do instead? He brings a still small voice make me your king. You're my bride. Come sit with your father. And do you like your new home? That's what we're going to hear. That last one, we hear all the other ones. John 17, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known. This is a prayer right before the cross. This is a, cro- this is a prayer of Jesus Christ right before the cross. What's his last words? You know, like, hey, make this easy. No. He says this, he, he speaks out on our behalf like, a, like, a, like, a, like, a, like our Lord God. I've made known to them your name. He's praying to God. And I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That will change my old heart. God loves the wicked to death. His son's death so that we may have life. It's the only way. So we're going to pray, and we're going to have a little dinner together that Christ said that we will remember him through. So let's pray. Well, Father God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done for me and my brothers and sisters and what you're about to do, what you're about to do in the lives of others. But um. We're just grateful that we can call you Father. We love you and need you, but you love us way more. Um, Bring us to the table. And it's in your name, Jesus, we're praying. Amen.